0: People need order Twelve Rules Hello, and welcome to Twelve Rules for What. My name is Alex, and today I'm going again by... Uh, what was your name again? Tommy? Alan. Alan's Alan. Alan! Yeah. I got confused. We had a Tommy before. <laughs> and today I'm okay. going by Alan uh, from Red Flare again. And we're back to talk about PA, but more generally have a chat about um, the far right in fitness culture and combat sports more specifically. You had a big expose that was published in The Times. I mean, someone else, some other journalist wrote it up, but you were heavily sourced in it and seemed to be behind the investigation. It's been a while since we checked in on Patrick alternative in general. So maybe like uh, let's get a general update about how they're doing.
1: I mean, the most they've had a few national events, but I think the most important or noteworthy development for anti-fascist observers has really been in the past couple of weeks or so, where they've been protesting uh, the, the drag queen story hour um, events. Have been, you know, it's like a children's entertainment show that's been touring. Um, libraries around the country so and this has been protested by a number of groups um, from across the far right and the kind of uh, hangovers from COVID conspiracy groups and the sovereign citizen movement but PA have been quite prominent in these protests and I suppose this, what the reason that this is important um, or noteworthy is while PA have in the past done kind of flash mob style uh, street protests, this uh, some of these demos have been more or less explicitly advertised in advance, or so, you know if if not explicitly, then PA have kind of clearly signaled their intention to protest at these. Um, in some cases, you know several weeks in advance of the actual protest um so i think this is interesting because you know when pa first started colette was kind of talked in quite disparaging tones really about um, previous far-right street movements in the uk he'd obviously watched things um like the edl and uh national actions white man marches and wasn't very impressed you know Probably for quite good reasons. Um, but I think Collett's got himself into a bit of a dilemma because there's clearly an appetite for these kinds of uh, street protests. Um, and, you know, he's got to kind of keep a lid on this, I suppose. What's striking about it is that, well, there's, you know, there's a number of different ways of thinking about it, but clearly they feel confident enough to be able to do this. I mean, um, last weekend in Leeds, they, there was a very large, um, it was very heavily policed. So they were, it's quite possible that PA liaised with police and they were, you know, reassured that they would be um, able to march without disruption. Um, but it seems, you know, I mean, it's not that odd for the reasons that I've already mentioned, but, you know, there's clearly an appetite for this. But in some ways, um their strategy for growth up until this moment has been this kind of clandestine, private, in-person, vetted meetups, what they call, what they talk about in terms of community building that, you know, from the perspective of a kind of anti-fascist um, group like us monitoring them seems to have worked very well for them. They've been able to grow. Okay, they've their events have been disrupted on a few occasions, um, but largely they've been able to grow unhindered um as a result of this fairly savvy um strategy of for growth um so i guess it remains to be seen you know as they pivot towards more and more uh pre-announced public street-based demonstrations this could well backfire for them for any number of reasons okay um so yeah that's what they've been i think for me that's probably the most notable thing that the most notable development within Patriotic Alternative in, you know, last year or so.
0: In the Drag Queen Story Hour thing is very handily, in many ways. It's just come up just as we released our episode on QAnon and transphobia, the previous episode. Um, and a lot of, like, we were talking specifically about the US context there, but it, it seems to be almost a direct import from America in many ways, this kind of, camp, camp, even explicitly campaigns against Drag Queen Story Hours as a specific thing as well. And the importation of this kind of anti LGBTQ politics, more like extremely uh, explicit anti LGBTQ politics as well. So, Red Flair contributed to a, a, like an official Times, the Times newspaper investigation into PA and into these kind of far right fight clubs more generally, uh, called At the Gym in the Hills, the far right fight clubs where men train to make Britain white. For those who can't circumnavigate a Penwall, what did the article say?
1: Well, first of all, um, if you don't want to pay for the Times, uh, apologies here to Dominic, the journalist that we helped with the article. But yeah, you can go to uh, archive.org or archive.is and uh, if you plug in the URL for any paywalled newspaper article, pretty much, uh, you'll be able to read the full thing. I'm not really sure how this works, but yeah, that's how I tend to get around them. Um, So... Uh, Hopefully that doesn't sully our relationship with the Times. Um, The article, so we kind of, I can't remember who made contact with whom first, but we kind of found out that um, the Times were intending on doing a a profile on Mark Collette, the uh, former BNP youth, young BNP leader, uh, who's now the leader of uh, Patriotic Alternative. and we got talking to uh, one of the journalists involved in this investigation and and kind of suggested, well, look, you know, maybe it might be more interesting to look at um, the kind of web of interconnections between uh, PA and the now prescribed uh, neo-Nazi group National Action and where this becomes, where these connections become most apparent is in and around this kind of focus on uh fitness and I mean really kind of yeah training to fight although I mean yeah you'll see in the article that Colette says I'll try and find the exact quote now um he says uh the only training I endorse is for legal healthy physical activity to help with fitness and mental health okay well that's a very kind of Uh, the kind of public-facing way in which PA would like to frame their uh, fitness activity. But yeah, basically, we kind of propose that this might be a a more interesting angle rather than just profiling Colette. Um, And so the article, you know, goes into some depth about what PA are doing with kind of fitness initiative that is, um, at least they're trying to have uh, as part of each individual regional um, group's activities, although it's unclear uh, to what extent that's been successful. So yeah, the article begins um, by revealing that Colette had actually been filmed training with uh, Garen Helm, who's a former National Action member. Um, So this had been filmed um, by ITV, uh, so it's undercover footage uh, filmed after National Action's prescription. Um, Now, Helm had actually evaded jail uh, as a result of uh, NA being prescribed. But he had previously already been jailed in 2014 for tweeting um, anti-Semitic slurs at... uh, Luciana Berger, who's a a Jewish MP. So this took place at one of the... They were filmed by ITV training with each other, um, training kind of knife fighting and martial arts at uh, one of the Sigurd Legions or Legion Martial Arts training camps, which I guess we can talk about a bit later on, Um, sometime in 2016 or 2017. But when ITV had published this footage... They, they hadn't disclosed that it was Colette. I suppose either because they just didn't know who he was or, you know, perhaps they did know, but he wasn't at that time a particularly relevant figure on the far right. So maybe it wasn't really important to the story, which was mainly to do about NA members continuing to meet after that group's prescription. So we'd watched this footage and although they blurred out Colette's face, uh, we'd recognised him in the footage. So, you know, He's quite a small guy, um, but let's just say he's also quite particular about certain specific items of clothing that he likes to wear. Uh, Collier had also admitted uh, later on to this journalist from the Times that it was him in the footage. So I guess this was the kind of the hook for this Times article was, you know, here's the leader of this new organisation that's claiming that uh, their fitness initiatives are all completely uh, legal and there's nothing kind of sinister going on there training knife fighting with people from what is now a kind of banned neo-Nazi terrorist group. Um, More broadly, the article was about PA's emphasis on fitness. So it looked at things like PA's attempts. And yeah, like I will say, it's not clear to what extent they've been successful um, nationally in this, but they wanted to institute uh, fitness officers Uh, in each region and it also looks at the kind of nazi fitness subculture i think that's probably the right word for it Uh, more generally so one example of this is a kind of pa adjacent uh, telegram channel called fascist fitness
0: pa have been quite coy about their fascism really they they kind of dance around it but fascist fitness the telegram group is very very explicit and if you go on there, you'll see them using anonymizing themselves with pictures of Hitler, Hitler's face over their own faces, and things like this. Um, could you just talk briefly about this fascist fitness Telegram group? Is it still going? What what became of it?
1: It is still going. Uh, I looked. I looked at it last night. Um, interestingly, the the guy that runs this, uh, or at least the guy that started it, it's unclear who's kind of um, administrating the channel now. Um, is, again, another former National Action member, um, former National Action member, compulsive liar, steroid user, and British expat now living in Spain uh, and Dubai, who goes by the pseudonym Charlie Big Potatoes, uh, real name Chris Kearns. So, yeah, this guy was... uh, When PAE announced their National Fitness Initiative, this guy was supposed to be... Uh, their national fitness officer but after this Times article came out he kind of stepped back um, I think partly because of his kind of association with national action Um, hope not hate somewhat recently published a photograph of him um, with other former national action members doing a, a straight arm salute uh, but he'd also previously admitted or at least claimed that he'd been involved in the group uh, before Before this, I think, in a kind of online argument with Tommy Robinson. Um, and, you know, another reason for this is like this guy's kind of online posting habits um, are basically just kind of unabashed racism. Hitler was right. Absolutely insane shit. You know, even more so than people like Colette and Melia who try and, you know, the kind of racism and anti-Semitism is there, but it's it's cloaked somewhat. Whereas Kearns was, you know, openly uh, inferring that there was a coming race war that his followers would have to prepare for. He was sharing uh, ter- neo-Nazi shooter manifestos. So, you know, it kind of always you say that they're a bit coy about their PA are a bit coy about their fascism, which to some extent is true. But, you know, if you look at, um, the kind of people that they are associating themselves with, uh, you don't have to go, you know, <laughs> much further than, you know, the very public leadership of the organization to come across like complete, uh, fanatic nutcases like, like this guy. Um, interestingly, Charlie or Chris Kearns' uh, online activity seems to have come to a rather abrupt halt uh, a couple of months ago. And this may or may not have been due to his arrest by local authorities. This guy seems to have been like a career criminal involved in all sorts of scams. So yeah, it remains to be seen um, what why this guy has kind of suddenly gone offline. Um, so yeah, this was the kind of the channel owner for... Um, fascist fitness since I can't remember the exact timeline but PA also had which sorry fascist fitness by the way yeah you're right it does you know it's openly uh, posting and uh, venerating Hitler Goebbels other kind of leading Nazi figures um, sharing um, reports praising uh, far right violence in other countries things like this Uh, PA does also have its own kind of official Telegram channel. Uh, I think it's called something like PA Fitness Club, which is more explicitly aligned with PA and uh, is kind of less overtly fascist. I don't think there are any kind of um, Hitler Telegram stickers getting used to obscure people's identities on that. Uh, but there are lots of selfies, even with kind of faces obscured. So, yeah, thanks to PA for that. It's been very helpful for us.
0: So, like you said, Colette, you know, opens this Times article by claiming that there's nothing, it's all legal. I mean, I think the key word in his statement is legal. He wants to make sure that, um, you know, his overriding concern is that PA is not prescribed the same as national action. Uh, and basically he will lose everything he's built in in one kind of fell swoop. Um. Obviously, you've PA have, have faced some opposition from anti-fascists, and in some cases, they got battered quite quite a lot. Um, and so, there's obviously a defensive aspect to learning how to fight to, for these guys. You know, they need to they want to know how to defend themselves. How worried are you that as PA develops and grows in confidence, this kind of defensive nature or, or like hobbyist nature to the, to, to training combat sports becomes more offensive? Becomes a means to uh, enact kind of reactionary violence in the street to like instead of protesting drag queen story hour to attack gay people or patrol um gay areas of cities and and things like that
1: yeah it's an interesting question i mean just on colette's um you know for instance how he says you know this is legal when there's a real emphasis emphasis on everything they do being legal i think you know it's not only he's got himself in a difficult position again here because um it's not only that he needs to kind of make sure he, you know he knows not he's not a complete idiot okay he knows that the state are watching pa very closely okay um you know not only does everything they they do have to be legal but you know it it's kind of that's almost not enough. They could continue to train, um, you know, within the, within the bounds of the law. But I think if there was, if for instance, you know, MI5 became sufficiently convinced that, um, while what they were doing was legal, they were preparing to do kind of political violence. Um, that might be enough for, them to appeal to the home office to get them prescribed right so i think i think he has to be even more careful than just making sure that um you know people his supporters keep doing things that, that are legal um i don't want to say too much more about that um so th- your your question was around you know how worried am i that they're going to start kind of going on the offensive i mean yeah so what they've what they claim is that oh this is Either for just you know fitness, and uh, they don't seem to kind of, they kind of have this, um, this kind of naive act where they talk about uh combat sports or martial arts training as if it's no different to sort of playing a game of football, right? Uh, but like, well, this is solely for the purposes of like fitness and our kind of mental well being, kind of willfully ignoring the fact that actually, you know, your supporters are A training to to do violence I mean how worried how worried should people be about this I think it's quite difficult to gauge um you know most of the um posting on things like fascist fitness and PA fitness club are to do with uh you know lifting weights and getting a really low body fat percentage so you can post physique and pretend that you're like a Roman statue or you know a Viking or whatever these losers think they're descended from this stuff is not necessarily going to make you particularly good at fighting and there are by the way I mean there are or at least were some kind of truly laughable um, boxing videos on somebody's channels you know really inaccurate big looping punches uh, just kind of pretty ridiculous looking stuff but i think you know if your objective is basically going to be to attack minorities and your political enemies you know your martial arts prowess doesn't necessarily matter so much this is really what she, people should be concerned about While it is you know very tempting to to laugh at some of this stuff is about the kind of psychological willingness to do violence and i think you know i've Probably, we probably spoke about this last time when we talked about PA. Um, I think Collet again, you know, he's kind of, he's painted himself into a, into a corner in a number of ways. I mean, I already talked about having to keep a lid on the legality of what his um, supporters do uh, with regards to kind of combat training. But I think he's produced a lot of angry people with this kind of the urgency of his rhetoric around uh, white people are going to be a minority in the UK by 2066, uh, which is, you know, obviously not true uh, and a conspiracy theory. Um, This kind of rhetoric of white genocide has an urgency to it uh, and it frames white nationalist plight and their situation as being one of of essentially being one of self-defense, which Ultimately, when you begin to think of yourself as a kind of, uh, yeah, being in a situation of self-defense, then any kind of action, um, no matter how extreme, can be justified. I mean, you would have read the Christchurch Shooters Manifesto, where he talks about himself in these terms as being kind of a partisan fighting an occupying force, okay? Um, So I I think, yeah, there's a problem here with, okay, Colette saying that this is all completely legal and they're not doing anything wrong, but ultimately you know, uh, you you have this the urgency of this uh, rhetoric coupled with people developing if not if not a physical competency, then at least a, a psychological um, acclimation um, or readiness willingness to do violence that at some point is going to have some, you know, really tragic consequences. I think.
0: Well, this is a, this is another bind that maybe you talk, maybe you mentioned about, but to make explicit is the it's the contradiction between a more moderate leadership, which is necessarily moderated because they've got their names attached to a public record of the company, Pierre as a limited company or party, Colette, um, Laura Melia, Sam Melia, all these named figures who are associated with Pierre, and the more radical, uh, more extremist even more extremist than Colot, a base of young guys who maybe are going to get frustrated with the kind of prescriptions that Colit has for um, for solving this up- a racial apocalypse, as what he says, it, you know? Like, what is Collett's solutions? We, f- we form our own white community. Um, or we register as a political party. We presumably contest elections. Um, these are ultimately inadequate for some, you know, 17-year-old boy... Who, uh, who had been training boxing and sees a kind of threat, uh, a racial threat around every corner. Um, and so I think he, it's something he's going to have to kind of contend with. And of course, you've got to remember that National Action came from, as a split from the BNP. Like a lot of the National Action guys were um, B, B, young BNP members who um, got frustrated with the BNP being useless and shit and set up their own thing, which ended up being, you know what it was and we've discussed us before.
1: I mean, not only that, but you've got like a number of, I mean, so you've got Chris Kearns, the former National Fitness Officer for PA, ex-National Action member, Sam Melia, um, the Yorkshire Regional Organiser and, you know, to all intents and purposes, uh, some kind of deputy national leader in PA, ex-National Action member, uh yes sorry Laura and Sam if you're listening to this uh your kind of weak excuses are like uh, just boring and pointless uh you know this guy's been photographed at a at a meet of national action, national action members uh, I could just um, say at a
0: meet after the else? group got banned
1: after the prescription yeah anyway um Sam Melia Jake Buick regional fitness organiser f- for Yorkshire National Action member. James Allchurch, maybe not a National Action member, certainly a uh, long-time supporter of National Action, currently uh, going through the court system on uh, racial hatred charges. So you were talking about, like, um, yeah, the fact that National Action was started by um, your former Young BNP members who got frustrated with the kind of direction of the BNP I think yeah it's almost inevitable that something like this comes out of PA I think you know like we said before you've got this kind of Colette's painted this ex- extremely dire picture of you know imminent uh, racial apocalypse that a lot of these young men and they are largely young men that are involved in this organisation uh, completely and utterly believe okay um, and you know, at some point, if you think your situation, your plight is that desperate, then going on hikes and litter picking and doing uh tugs of war with other Nazis is not going to cut it. You know, um, they're gonna. These guys are gonna say to each other, you know, what are we doing all this training for? Um, so I think, and you you do hear it in some of the um you know, this is not something that these guys are unaware of the leadership. Okay. You see it in some, or you hear it in some of their live streams. They kind of are quite conscious to explain to their uh, supporters and listeners why they should not take the black pill and go on some, you know, murderous rampage. Okay. Uh, They say things like, Oh, you know, that only, that will only aid our enemies. But you know, uh at the same time you've got people like Chris Kern sharing neo-Nazi mass shooter manifestos. So clearly that not everyone's on the same page here.
0: Um you know, this is a whole There's been a long running meme on, on 4chan and on kind of 8chan, other kind of far right internet boards about self-improvement, self self-improvement culture. As a kind of, I suppose Response to the kind of wallowing in degeneracy and and failure that 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 was like kind of a common theme on on 4chan and still is these these kind of sig threads of what they're called self improvement general. How do you think it's an interesting it's an interesting thing? It goes back to Peterson Jordan Peterson too, in that the the, the prescriptions for how people improve their lives are actually you know fairly effective. You know, drink more water, look look after yourself and your living space exercise regularly, um, get a proper job, um, try and engage with people on a human level, um, start relationships and, and live a fulfilling relationship, etc., etc. Stands in great contrast in i I'm a neat, I'm drinking Mountain Dew at my computer, I've masturbated five times a day already and I'm going to masturbate six more, more times and it's 2 p.m., whatever. And I, I think for me, that kind of, when that's paired with a fascist politics or a far right politics, I'm improving myself in order to aid my race. It kind of links the kind of natural high and natural kind of good feelings you get from improving your life in whatever way and taking small steps and seeing progress with the kind of deepening fascism of deepening far-right politics. How do you think that, that kind of manifests into the real world organising? Are these people just becoming their own little fascists who don't do any organising and are just, you know, making their lives better and they'll hold these awful views or do you think there's some kind of does that feed into uh real life political organizing
1: i'm not like i don't know how helpful it is to draw a distinction i mean obviously you know there is quite a clear demarcation right where somebody steps out from behind the computer and attends for instance like a a pa regional event right um that's like quite a clear distinction that we can make. And it's obviously for them, it's going to be uh, a important step in their political journey. But, you know, somebody, some of these guys probably do remain isolated. Um, you know, perhaps because of where they live or, you know, a multitude of other factors, but can continue to kind of, for instance, like propagandize online. Right. Um, and can su- support the movement in other ways. I think, yeah, it's interesting to think about. Um, clearly, a lot of these, particularly like, well, not just young people. A lot of the people that have that are joining PA have been on a political journey that has, um, you know, one of primarily we're talking about self radicalization online, where they've reached a kind of worldview that has isolated themselves from their family members, from, you know, people that were formerly their friends, right? Um, they probably, I would imagine to some of them, it's quite a relief to find a new peer group of people that that share their views and, you know, can go through life thinking the same kind of things about, you know, why the world is... In their, from their perspective, in such a state, right? I would also imagine that, like some of them, join, go to a PA regional meet up, and are hanging out with, you know, Nick Hill and James Shand, and are just completely uh, put off by it, and just, you know, <laughs> don't want to have don't want to have any more involvement whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I'm sure, like part, of, obviously, like you know when they talk about community building it's not just a kind of uh kind of pr spin that they're putting on things that like they are building um you know real world networks and friendships which i think is part of the reason why this is going to have implications for some time to come regardless of what happens to PAS specifically as an organization
0: yeah i guess going back to the sig thing it's I'm I'm always suspicious of very neat explanations like the so-called alt right to whatever pipe the pipe, Peterson to alt right pipeline or whatever. It's it's all a bit too neat, you know. There's always there's so many different things that happen. You could you could get see a sig thread on 4chan, um, improve your life drastically, start lifting weights, become some great triangle of a person, but. Whilst you got out into the real world and started making actual friendships or started engaging with people, got a job, got some disposable income, suddenly these kind of extremist or the extre- very extreme views that you, you held online don't fit with your, the way you're living anymore and you kind of drop them aside or more explicitly renounce them or whatever. It, it's not so neat that you become a kind of political, like a clean cut political soldier for fascism, um, like some people would, I think, theorise.
1: I was really reminded of this when I was I was actually looking at yeah self-improvement. There's like a Sig uh telegram channel. <laughs> and like yeah, it's 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 pretty cringe uh how how sort of basic the some of the advice is. I mean you kind of have to wonder to what extent is this targeted towards uh like teenagers, right? So it has things like you know, meditate for six minutes using some meditation app. Write a creative short story. Uh, literally one of them, find a stump in a clearing or a meadow and sit and ponder on it for a while. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is like pretty... But there are parallels to be drawn here between like this and like Jordan Peterson's clean your room bucko, right? Um, it is... What's interesting is like how this kind of really basic, uh, cringeworthy advice, it ha- can become like married with like reading Evola, <laughs> right?
0: Just talking about Peterson, the kind of guy who's taken his mantle recently and is really completely exploding in popularity is this guy called Andrew Tate. Who, you know, I've been looking at the, If you look at the social media trends on TikTok, for example. He's kind of since March has just skyrocketed past Kim Kardashian, past Donald Trump. You know, has gone into the stratosphere. He's got millions and millions of views and millions of followers. He started this thing called Hustlers University, where you know 100,000, you know, a significant amount of people paying $50 a month. He's raking in about 300,000, like five. Sorry, no, it used to be five million uh, dollars a month, something crazy um, from Hustlers University. And obviously, there's a link here because Andrew Tate was a, a, a pro kickboxer and he won championships. He was a, a figure on, on reality shows in Britain and abroad. And he was also recently close to Tommy Robinson and uh, visited the house of the journalist Mike Stuxbury after Tommy Robinson did and, 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 and uh, describes him in positive lights. These kind of figures spring up occasionally. And Peterson was one, Tate was another. There's been loads more. He's kind of large than life masculine figures, father figures in many ways, to very teen, teenage young boys. What you yeah, know, what kind of role does did do guys like Tate play in this in this kind of radicalisation field? He's not explicitly fascist. He's a, a deeply misogynist, but he's not like kind of uh, you know, extolling the, you know, the virtues of Adolf Hitler like Chris Kearns is.
1: I mean, I don't know too much about uh, Andrew Tate, but I suppose like what him and I think the kind of uh, the Fred, the similarity, what him and Jordan Peterson have in common is that they're kind of giving like young men permission just to be a kind of um, lazily lazy, selfish assholes basically, right? It's like, okay, you don't actually have to, uh, respect women, or you know, think about anyone apart from yourself. Uh, that seems to be like the the common theme joining them. Right, it's like you have to kind of try and think about other people's uh perspective. Uh, just be a kind of misogynistic wanker.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the what you said about them giving permission to act out this way is actually kind of important. Like. When you watch Tate's content, or watch his kind of appearances on Twitch live streams, every so often you can see him kind of, his eyes twinkle a little, little wry smile like he knows he's playing a character. Like, obviously he's a complete cunt and he's like holding these very awful views and he believes them utterly and he's got all these kind of very, like, horrible allegations of domestic violence and, and you know, traffic, sex trafficking and, and, you know, all this kind of stuff in his past, well documented. But also, he knows he's playing a character for these people. He knows that taking it to the extremes, like owning people or having these very kind of outrageous viewpoints or saying these very outrageous things is what these guys are looking to to him for. It's not necessarily as a figure of, um, you know, a figure of like a kind of sober father figure in that way. He's more like a kind of older, like a a disreputable uncle figure, I suppose, (laughs) which allows them to like act out in a way that they know like is wrong
1: it's like you, if you don't want to be challenged on anything and you just want to have somebody basically give a green light to your like uh worst instincts and uh you know give you permission to behave like a fucking spoiled brat then like that's that's kind of what these guys do right i think that's like it's not i think it's also kind of a product of like the current social media ecosystem that it can actually because this stuff is kind of rightly enrages so many other people that the algorithm tends to privilege this kind of content. Um, so I think, yeah, you know, although, like, I don't, going back to what you said earlier about the, the kind of alt right pipeline and this idea that kind of YouTube can just push people towards uh, like fascist content, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. But I think, you know, there is some element of responsibility when it comes to these social media uh, platforms. So, for instance, like I read something, there's a Guardian long read about uh, Tate at the weekend. That kind of one of the things it highlights is that he's his followers are very good at kind of uh, spamming TikTok with his content in a way that makes the algorithm privilege like his videos, right?
0: I suppose one of the big aspects, and one of the things that Tate has done really well, is is build his character, and he's built his character to a point where he doesn't have to do the fighting anymore um, in order to get a payday. A big aspect of combat sports in general is the characters, is the gimmicks. You know, like it's it's a little all a little bit pro wrestling in the UFC, really. You've got guys like Colby Covington doing the Trump Maga thing, and you've got these kind of larger than life very kind of quite explicitly right-wing political now political figures like Joe Rogan and Dana White the owner of the not the owner Dana White the matchmaker in the UFC um, is a Trump supporter and very explicitly endorses him there's this, this, there's oftentimes even at the most mainstream levels of mixed martial arts there's a, an element of of the right in all, in all of this stuff and you know increasingly far right as well you see Joe Rogan last year kind of on putting on his Instagram this idea of the Kali Yugo, which is this kind of very kind of in in the context in which he's talking about, you know, hard times make strong men or whatever it is that that the the cycle is, is far esoteric kind of thought, really. Um how has how has UFC or MMA become
1: so amenable to these kind of quite right wing figures? I don't like is it I, I don't think we should be that surprised by this. Do you know what I mean? Like UFC and mixed martial arts is is going to, particularly in the way that it's promoted, um, where you see things like, you know, there's no kind of curb put on the kind of worst excesses of people like Conor McGregor, right? Um, Dana White's happy for McGregor to act like as much of a kind of racist arsehole um, as he wants. And yeah, for it to be a bit more like uh, pro-wrestling, uh, because it's ultimately about entertainment and attracting viewers, right? Uh, so I don't think we should be that surprised. And, and fundamentally, this is like two men. Okay, there's like some great. There are some great women fighters as well, but uh, majority of the of the fights are men beating the shit out of each other in a cage. Okay, shouldn't be that surprised that it attracts like um, macho dickheads. <laughs> followers right um, I, I think like yeah the Joe Rogan is an interesting one because he I mean it seems to be focusing more on his podcast now right like he he seems to be com- they seem to have him commentating less and less um, which is a good thing I, I think um, but he's an interesting one because he's kind of I think particularly the format of his podcast where it's like, Oh, these are just different people, um, uh, presenting their views. And Rogan does this kind of gormless, just asking questions thing, uh, where he very rarely pushes back on anything that anything that these, his guests say, um, kind of obscures the fact that so many of his guests are like really quite far right. Often, kind of transphobic, uh, misogynistic, uh, or otherwise, you know, like COVID conspiracists and so on.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that point is really important that it's not necessarily... When you have the argument that you're just putting a, put, putting people on the platform, it's who you allow to be on that platform then becomes the key question. And and you can see the kind of people like Gavin McGuinness or, or whatever, these kind of quite extreme figures, um, you can see... You know, on the most popular popular podcast, um, you know, in the world, you can see where like kind of his politics have tended over the years.
1: I mean, he's really drunk the Kool Aid now, and like, he just chats absolute shit, doesn't he? About uh, coronavirus, in particular, like he's he's lost it. I used to I used to think he was quite an enjoyable listen, but now he's just like, you know, <laughs> he's lost a plot. I think. <laughs>
0: Okay, so going away from the UFC a little bit, it seems to me that within MMA as a sport more generally, um, the most right-wing kind of subcultures in the MMA sphere you can find in Russia and Eastern Europe. You've got these kind of far-right hooligan hooligan firms who who are kind of doing group fighting and training MMA in order to win fights. And you have, with other hooligans, and you have this... Um, uh, I suppose martial arts brand called White Rex. Could you talk a bit more about White Rex?
1: Um, I mean, I guess yeah. I think the um, the hooligan connection, particularly in Eastern Europe, is worth is worth talking about. So I guess if you wanted to kind of if you wanted to try and think of you know a timeline of uh, the relationship between the contemporary far right in combat sports. Uh, in some ways, it's difficult to know where to start. But I think... Um, and I say that because, you know, groups like Combat 18 in the in the 1990s, which was a, a kind of British uh, street fighting group, did have links to uh, football hooligan firms in the UK, specifically uh, Chelsea Headhunters. But it's not really clear to what extent these guys were, you know, anything apart from, you know, brawlers, right? I don't think they were kind of uh, training mixed martial arts multiple times a week. Um, this kind of distinction begins to get blurred um, start, you know, in the early two thousands um, when you see kind of members of the European, particularly Eastern European football hooligan subculture, engaging in kind of formal martial arts training. Um, So, yeah, from what I can tell, this kind of began in the kind of early to mid 2000s, but really only came to kind of international prominence uh, quite recently in 2016, when you had um, Russian football hooligans attacking England fans en masse in Marseille at the Euros. Um, And yeah, it turns out that one of the kind of key people involved in this was Dennis Nikitin, uh, who's the owner of this, he's a a former MMA fighter and the owner of this kind of um, Russian mixed martial arts lifestyle brand called White Rex, which is Basically, um, a kind of neo-Nazi, uh, neo-Nazi version of Tap Out, kind of uh, UFC MMA inspired streetwear brand, I suppose. Um, and you know, they kind of they not only do they kind of sponsor and organize MMA tournaments, um, but they kind of they sell uh, fightwear, they sell kind of four ounce gloves, things like this. So and. Nicotine. His name. If once you begin looking into the kind of the interrelationship between, yeah, combat sports, uh, combat training, and the far right, this guy's name crops up a lot. He's well traveled. uh, He has given seminars to a number of neo-Nazi groups on uh, self-defense, group fighting, knife fighting. He. Is also the direct inspiration for uh, a number of other um, White Rex copycat style uh, kind of brands and projects. The most obvious, the most well known one will be um, Rob Rondo from Rise Above Movement's brand uh, Will to Rise, which is basically a kind of wholesale wholesale ripoff of uh, White Rex, albeit with kind of a more explicit focus on. Uh, fascist street action. I only realised when I was kind of doing some reading for this for this episode. Nikitin himself, uh, actually features in a documentary produced by BBC uh, about the the kind of Russian football hooligan subculture, and specifically, you know, the events of 2016 in Marseille uh he's interviewed by the by the bbc actually if you know if my memory serves me rightly he kind of speaks quite articulately about his reasons for uh for being involved uh and he's wearing a kind of white rex t-shirt seems to be the interview seems to take place in one of their uh stores or outlets uh you know comes across like a complete psychopath but yeah from what i remember it's very articulate.
0: So just to bring it back to right politics more generally, this kind of use of combat sports or martial arts training or fitness culture more generally, it has a longer history than PA and it you know it's, it's expanded out beyond the UK, as we said, with white Rex, but also in more like explicitly political groups. I'm thinking of things like the Ladd Society in Australia. And, you know, even if we need to remember that before PA, National Action had their own gym, secret gym in Warrington, where they trained... Um, there a conference was addressed by an MMA trainer, Jimmy Hay, who is still, you know, still going. He still runs his gym. Um, obviously, before they were pre- prescribed, could you just go into a little bit about how this how this works um, more
1: internationally? Well, I think. Um... Yeah, the Land Society is an interesting one in Australia because, like, yeah, like you said, this um, predates PA, but it is perhaps, I mean, people who are more familiar with uh, fire politics in Australia uh, might disagree, but it seems to me, as a kind of outside observer, to be like maybe one of the early um, instances of this kind of post alt right shift from. Largely an online kind of uh, An online far right Back into the real world, okay uh, So As early as 2017 um, The Lad Society Had kind of uh, Real world uh, venues And clubhouses uh, One of these, according to uh, At least a couple of sources Had a, a boxing gym where they were kind of Organising weekly Fight nights And um, Interestingly, yeah, they also provided a security detail for uh, Lauren Southern when she did a 2018 Australian tour. Um, One of the things that struck me as quite interesting when I was reading the um, Royal Commission report on the Christchurch shooting was that the shooter had been invited to join uh, the Lad Society and was Facebook friends with Thomas Sewell, who is an interesting character uh, that, yeah, might be worth talking about in a bit more detail because he's kind of um, had a a little bit of involvement in Patriotic Alternative, or certainly around the... uh, No, definitely helpful involvement in PA. No, I mean, he's... What strikes me about Sewell is I'm not sure what his current uh, legal status is. I think he's perhaps on bail, but you know, a lot of there's a kind of meme on the on in a lot of these far right spaces about how you know their their political enemies and you know, kind of racial minorities, ethnic minorities, are kind of uh, have no self control. Okay, now if if anyone exemplifies a lack of self control. It's this guy, right? This guy is a complete loose cannon maniac that, uh, you know, as things stand, I think he has charges for armed robbery and assault, for breaking into the cars and stealing the phones of some people that uh, photographed him and his comrades doing Nazi salutes uh, in the Grampian mountain range in Australia. Subsequent to this, he (laughs) assaulted a black security guard at a TV station whilst shouting racist slurs at him. This was like a couple of hours before the TV station was going to broadcast a documentary about uh, National Socialist Network, which is Sewell's organization, which is an offshoot of the Lad Society. And then in 2021, he does a a stream with... uh, a PA-aligned uh, live stream called Patriotic Talk. Uh, obviously, after this, PA were very keen to sort of disavow Patriotic Talk and kind of deny any connection to it, despite Colette being its most regular guest. Uh, but in this, he kind of... he. <laughs> Advocates the the mass rape of British social workers and police officers, um, which leads to the kind of the host of this talk show or this live stream kind of frantically pulling the plug and and taking it like working to scrub any trace of it uh, online. Uh, But, you know, Sewell, as if he hadn't already done enough damage, then goes (laughs) takes the telegram to reiterate his comments almost word for word while simultaneously apologizing to the hosts of of this show. So, yeah, complete nutcase. Um, But, yeah, there's, I think, a couple of Australian newspapers have done uh, long reads on him and particularly uh, his organization, National Socialist Network, and yeah, talk. There's a real focus on kind of uh, Western-style boxing in particular, and you know these guys are, are kind of far less coy than uh, PA. I mean, I don't know what how uh, difficult it is for your organisation to get prescribed in in Australia, but I believe uh, NSN are kind of uh, likely candidates for it. These guys are far less coy about um, their intentions for training martial arts. Should we say?
0: We did an episode a long time ago now with a, a red gym called Reading Red Corner an anti-fascist gym about what they were doing and their training and why it's important for anti-fascists to be training combat sports. Obviously combat sports and martial arts training it's got a certain I suppose macho reputation which from my experience at least is not necessarily born out in the gyms in which I've I've, I've trained. Um, there is a kind of it's more predominantly men who do train there but I, I feel like you have to go to, like, bad gyms in order to experience the kind of macho, kind of, you know, trying to knock each other out or even just, you know, sexism and awful comments and whatever. That could be a feature of some gyms. You've got to track you know, those are, those are bad gyms. What do you think about is there is Should anti fascist be training combat sports? Um, and is there a way? How can they do that whilst not kind of laying into this kind of image of, you know, macho anti fascists who are always up for a scrap and uh, are training for, like, physical violence at all costs and all this kind of stuff? Uh,
1: I think, you know, although we've kind of spoken about how, you know, the, the UFC, um, the fan base of the UFC is, is perhaps, you know, uh, not great. I think the culture is around combat sports has changed quite significantly. I mean, if you're t- specifically, if you're talking about, about the gyms, um, you know, it's definitely like changed for the better in recent years, I would say, um, you know, it's kind of, I don't, it's in my experience, it's, it's quite, I, you know, I'm, I'm like a cis man. So my experience is not going to be, um, it's not going to be representative of everyone, but, you know, it's it's uh, it's very rare to encounter, uh, uh, you know, kind of sexist comments, uh, over the top macho dickhead behaviour in in martial arts gyms. Uh, I think you know, anti-fascists, those on the left, uh, minorities, should be preparing to kind of physically defend themselves from uh, far right violence. The far-right are certainly p- preparing to do acts of violence to them. Um, I think people, particularly men, tend to think that they have a kind of innate ability to fight. You know, everyone thinks they can fight. Um, but actually, you know, this is a learned skill, uh, just like anything else. So I think, you know, I think the regimes are a positive initiative, but I think what's really striking about looking at the, looking at channels like fascist fitness and the kind of will to rise channel run by uh, Rob Rundo, uh, who is uh, from a similar kind of fascist martial arts group called rise above movement is that there is, they've been quite successful in, these groups have been quite successful in creating a kind of online subculture that really does quite well to marry, you know, their politics with uh, martial arts and fitness culture in a way that I don't think that the the red gym scene, at least in the UK, has been very successful at doing. Now, I don't know how you emulate that without just kind of reproducing the, the kind of visual language of those far right groups. Uh, but it seems to me like you know that's that might be a kind of fruitful connection, fruitful kind of direction for the regime culture to kind of develop in. Um, maybe I don't know. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think it does. And how how should people be training it? Like, you, should you be following a particular you know sport like BJJ or, or Muay Thai or, or kickboxing, whatever? Like, it seems to me that that's the best way of getting a good grounding in, in many different aspects of, of fighting or, you know, training. It's, just, it's just a kind of structured thing. Yeah, I think,
1: it. like, this is probably a... Like a... I think having a kind of structured discipline to follow where you can kind of track your development uh, makes I think makes it far more enjoyable and... You know, you have more kind of goals, it's easier to recognise your own progression than doing things like uh kind of self defense classes where you kind of you you will train for a couple of hours about an extremely specific scenario that the instructor has imagined. Um you know, kind of how to manipulate somebody's hand to get out of a chokehold, right? Um whereas If you're training in a proper martial art like I know uh, Muay Thai or BJJ, you're going to learn principles that are far more widely applicable than you know how to perfectly escape some very specific, you know, scenario, right? Um, And uh, yeah, I think that's probably good advice. (laughs) I mean, the other thing
0: is is with with any skill, it's about regular practice as well. You know ideally, you'd be training this three or four times a week if you want to get you know competent in a in a, in a decent amount of time, and so you want to be practicing something that's being put on elsewhere that you could also go to. Yeah. you know many people don't have the capacity to organize training sessions four times a week. they've got lives, they've got things going on, you know obviously, and so you want to be able to go to places that are still doing the same thing you're doing within your red gym, I suppose
1: yeah, I suppose you know this is obviously easier for some people. Uh, others, right? I feel like, okay, like I said before, like I, I might find different martial arts gyms very welcoming. I might be, if I was a trans woman, I might be a lot more hesitant about, about going to somebody's, you know, it still are like male dominated spaces, right? Um, but yeah, I think regularities kind of as with any learning anything, uh, you know, regularities is, uh, is really important, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I suppose just on that on that
0: last point, uh, a, a queer gym in London called Bended Defenders is running a fundraiser right now, um, raising money to pay their trainers and to buy more equipment and all this stuff. Their sessions are specifically for queer and trans people, and so they're in, they're a really great outlet for those people who might feel unwelcome in gyms to be able to to train, you know, twice a week at this point, but maybe more if they if they raise the money. So go and check out their fundraiser. okay and thank you Alan I remember your name this time uh, for coming on chatting to us about fascist fitness have you got anything to plug about red flare where can we find you Um, Um,
1: we are primarily on twitter.com at red flare info Um, we what do I have to plug Um, we should have a new investigation hopefully coming out soon um can't really say much more about that for now, but uh, maybe I'll come back on for like a little advert when it <laughs> when it comes out. Um, yeah, I mean, I think maybe we could do like a, a nice twenty minute yeah. bonus episode on the new thing. Um, and yeah, please send us your uh, photographs and tips. Uh, you can find details of how to contact us on our on our Twitter page or on our website, which is uh, RedFlare.info.
0: Great, and this last last reminder for our summer book club, which is happening uh, next week on Thursday the eighteenth. I mean we need to change the update the date on on what we announced. Um, and we'll be reading *Race to the Bottom: um, Reclaiming Anti-Racism* by Asfaw Shafi and Ilyas Nagdi. Um, there's a few of those already there. If you haven't, if you don't have time to read the whole book, then you can just read the introduction and conclusion because we're going to have notes that we're going to bring and prompts and questions have a wider discussion anywhere so you'd be more than welcome if you want to get involved um dm me or send us an email and we'll get you on it and you also get a 20 percent discount on the book from uh pluto
1: press okay that's enough for the show bye